Hey there, welcome to Sans Mantra Studio. My name's Mark Hughes. I'm a Melbourne songwriter, musician and producer. And this is the third episode of Sans Mantra Studio. And this is where I'll be sharing insights into my musical world, right through from the studio to the stage. It's a beautiful day here in Melbourne today. It's a fine example of one of the three perfect spring days we get in this beautiful city. I say that because all of the other days tend to be like last week when it was raining um, or just incredibly hot, like we've gone straight into summer. But it is a beautiful day and my dog Kirby had a walk this morning, so I'm not in danger of getting any fines from Angela Merkel or anything like that, so I'm pretty happy about that. I had a lot of really cool feedback to last week's episode where I demonstrated the use of Melodyne, which is really another form of auto-tune on the string quartet that I had on my song The Silent Crowd. People really enjoyed hearing the process and a couple of people remarked that they were interested to hear how much work actually goes into creating a track. So this week I thought I might actually continue looking at The Silent Crowd and perhaps pull up some of the other tracks and um, a big thanks to Pete Sim for suggesting this as well. Pete was interested in hearing about how do I record guitars, what process do I use to um, choose the best takes, what effects do I use, how do I come to all those decisions. Those are really good questions and I hope to answer some of them in this episode. In episode one of this podcast, I touched on musicians losing the spark, the love of music, and I didn't really elaborate on that. And what I was going to talk about was how that during lockdown, when I didn't have any gigs, I got back into drawing, which was a childhood um, passion of mine, I guess, before I discovered music. And that really kind of led to me rediscovering my creativity Um, to a certain extent in terms of wanting to get back into not just finishing tracks that I'd written a while ago but writing new material um, and just generally thinking in a more creative way and I wanted to talk some more about um, how easy it is to lose the spark the love of music when you are a performing musician you know a working musician and you're out there doing gigs you're doing all manner of gigs sometimes Um, You know, for every um, Paul Kelly or, you know, insert name of, you know, famous singer-songwriter here, there are probably hundreds and thousands by now, you know, working musicians that also write, they're creative people, but they do a lot of different things. They're balancing working cover gigs, playing in weddings, playing corporate gigs and teaching and I happen to do all of those things as well. But with lockdown and with getting into drawing, like I said, that really kind of made me approach my music in a different way. And following on from that, um, I spend a lot of time practicing my instruments. So primarily I'm a guitarist. I do play piano and keyboards and a little bit of bass guitar as well. But primarily I'm a guitarist. And I spend a lot of time practicing it because I, well, A, I enjoy it, but B, I want to be able to play when I feel like playing. So that's a discipline that every musician taps into eventually. Um, It's a bit like 
even though there's lots of creative elements to playing music and making music, there, it's a discipline as well and it is a physical thing like sport. So there's a physical element and you do need to keep yourself... Um, my dog Kirby's lying on my studio floor snoring his head off. It's incredibly distracting. So I'm just going to pause this and um, gently get him out. <laughs> Kirby... Come on, Kirby, come on, come on, Kirby, come on, there you go, good boy, let you go, So as much as music is a creative pursuit, it's also a physical pursuit as well, um, and to that end, I, you know, I like keeping my fingers as nimble as they can be, so I practice a lot, and... As a result, I end up watching a lot of Netflix because a lot of what I do is quite repetitive when I'm practicing things. And um, this morning when I was doing a bit of practice, I ended up watching a documentary called Count Me In on Netflix, which is a pretty good doco about drumming and it talks to a few different drummers. Um, and, you know, it doesn't go in too deep with anything, but it's a good overview of, of um, you know, what makes drummers tick and why they chose the drums. This next scene really made me smile. It's a little girl getting a drum kit for Christmas. Check this out. And that really kind of um, made me made me laugh this morning when I listened to that. But also made me think, that's what it's all about. That's the the whole point of playing music. You know, you should love what you're doing. You should love your instrument. And most people, when they first get their instrument, they're just they're maybe they're not quite as excited as that little girl. But it's not that far off. I mean, I still remember getting my first electric guitar and that was pretty special. That was so cool. It was it was actually, it felt quite mystical. I didn't really understand what I had. You know, I, I knew how to play some chords. I think I knew how to play some single note melodies. They weren't really what you'd call solos. They certainly weren't solos, but they weren't even really licks. But I, I think I understood the concept of playing single notes as opposed to chords. But I got this cheap... Strat copy from the local music shop and I think I saved up for it and then I finally got some money for Christmas and went and bought it and it was about, I don't know, $180 or something and it was a pretty ordinary guitar but like I said, it was a bit like getting Excalibur, you know, pulling it out of the rock. What do we do now? What does this bit do? How do we use this? And that interest in the instrument that, I mean, I just love the look of it. I love the way Stratocasters looked. That's why I wanted to play one. Um, and watching this documentary this morning reminded me that um, it's such a magical world, the world of music. And I've just started gigging again, which I'll probably do a full episode on down the track. But doing these gigs, I had a couple last weekend and sort of thinking, well... The first one back was, it was a bit of a trial by fire, you know, when you do cover gigs, you're not always necessarily playing um, places, you know, where people are there to listen to you. 
So this was one of those gigs where I had people coming up and asking for requests while I'm singing and playing at the same time. And I just look at them like, <laughs> do you think I'm Zaphod Beeblebrox from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with my extra head? You know, it's just going to pop up and just start talking to you? No. Um, so it was one of those gigs. And I finished the weekend a bit ambivalent. You know, I was happy to be playing again. And it was actually really nice to know that some things I'd been working on during lockdown while I've been practicing um, were really coming together well in my playing. That was really cool. But as I say, I was a bit ambivalent about the whole experience. And then watching this documentary this morning, I thought, well, this is a great gift of you know, music and, and playing gigs. And to be able to play music and to have a gig booked where someone wants to pay you to go out and play music. Um, okay, so they're not screaming for your music. Um, they want you to play things that they know. But really, it can be anything you want it to be. And I'm actually feeling very inspired. And this is the whole crux of, I think, what musicians need to, passionate musicians need to balance in their life because the fire, the inspiration, the urge to play and create music can just flare out of control like a massive bushfire and consume everything, including your desire to eat, to sleep. And as an older musician and someone with a family, if anyone were to ask me advice starting out, I would say practice as much as you can because it does get harder to find time to practice when you know you get older. You get so many more demands placed on you as an adult. And that magical time when you're a teenager and when you're in your early 20s and you've got, feels like you've got all the time in the world, that doesn't last forever. Um, so, you know, spend as much time as you can with your instrument and practice. But um, that leads me to, to the next thing I was going to say, which is that um, it's so gratifying for me as a guitar teacher to see my students develop that connection to their instrument and more importantly, their own creativity. Um, a couple of my students, probably more than two, have started writing their own songs and with my help. And that's so gratifying and satisfying to watch. And one of my students in particular um, actually went from playing a nylon string guitar. Her parents bought her a white Stratocaster copy a really nice, I forget what model it is, but she plays that in her lessons now and I listen to it and think that sounds fantastic. So that makes it all worthwhile. That's one of the rewards of uh, being a guitar teacher, um, seeing people develop like that. And also being able to be a part of passing the torch on to another generation as well is really cool. But um yeah, if you feel like watching, you know, a nice, easy um, documentary, it's pretty fun. It's called Count Me In, and it's about uh, drummers. What does it say? This documentary features some of rock's greatest drummers as they come together in, in an inspiring rhythmic journey about the power of human connection. There you go. I should pilfer that and use some of that for the description for my Sans Mantra studio. talking to Peggy the other day, she's my um, neighbour, and uh, she was saying, um, 
can you write me some lyrics? I said, well, here's a good one, Peggy. Uh, did somebody let you down? Uh, were you caught without your crown? Were you in your dressing gown? Were you trying not to frown, Peggy? So, back to the topic in the intro. Guitar. More guitar. You might have guessed that I actually like guitar. I actually love guitar solos. It's a little bit out of fashion these days, unless you're known for guitar playing. But in pop music and rock music, there doesn't really seem to be that many guitar solos, unfortunately. Or if there there is a guitar solo, it's not a particularly good one, or it's there as a novelty, more so than an actual cool guitar solo. So I love guitar solos in pop music, in rock music. I love listening to guitar albums as well, but my favourite sort of guitar solo is a well-constructed solo in a great song. And that's what I've tried to do with my album. So the previous two or three or four guitar solos that you were just listening to are actually all from songs from my album um, yet to be released. And getting back to the question of how do I use guitars in my music um, in terms of how many takes do I use of a solo what sort of guitar effects do I use? I guess the answer really, the simple answer is really just, it depends on the track. So some songs like the first guitar solo that you heard in that bracket, which was from a song called Black Day, really is just a straight ahead sort of, it's a classic sort of guitar solo in my mind, I guess. That's what I was going for. With other songs, with the guitar solo or the guitar parts, I'm quite fond of the wah-wah pedal which you'd know from Jimi Hendrix and um, lots of different people. It's quite popular in funk as well. You've heard it. Actually, a really good example would be the guitar solo on Kiss by Prince. That's a great example of a wah-wah pedal solo. But it depends on the song, and I like using a lot of different effects depending on which track it is. But I think probably with the silent crowd going back to that song and the guitar parts on that... Here's the final session, the final mix session of The Silent Crowd that I got back from the mixer, a guy named Hayden Buxton, who I hired to mix this song. And I've got the session open here. And this is quite interesting to me because I think of the guitars on this song as being quite plain, but even quite plain has a lot of effects, as it turns out. So these are the acoustic guitar tracks. They're actually merged, and what I did was I played the acoustic guitar twice. The same part, 
and then pan the, the first acoustic guitar part to the left and then pan the second guitar part to the right. So you've got a little bit of a stereo spread of the acoustic guitars and by playing it twice you've actually got very subtle variations so no matter how closely you play the same thing the same way there's going to be little differences and those differences are what actually makes the sound kind of spread because if it was exactly the same the same track then you just wouldn't hear it the same way you're hearing subtle differences in the left and on the right and that's what creates the effect of the stereo spread so this is what the acoustic guitars sound like just by themselves. actually has a nylon string acoustic in there as well going doo doo which is actually from a sample library because even though I have a nylon string guitar here I, I couldn't get the sound I wanted out of it so I went to a sample library I played those two notes in on the keyboard and chose a nylon string guitar sound to play those notes and what's interesting about those acoustic guitars is that they sound plain but there's actually a lot of processing that's gone in to make them sound as good as they do basically there's EQ there's compression there's a lot of effects processing that is what you might call invisible that you just don't know about it's not it's not something that you notice it's just there to enhance the natural sound of the acoustic guitars so next up we've got the electric guitar part and this was actually a case where I used an effect when I recorded it. So I had an amp, I've still got it, um, it's got a tremolo effect on it which is basically just a volume fluctuation so it's like wah 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 but with volume so it's not actually technically making an effect it's just altering the volume to create an effect. You can do this yourself it's like it's like the old uh, American Indians going oh like that basically. You can do that on your phone if you want when you play a song back and just sort of tap the, um, the speaker, you can do that effect. And that's what a tremolo is doing on your amp. And you can set the timing of it so it can be a fast sort of wah 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 like that or it could be a, a sort of a slower one. What I've got here is a sort of a mid-tempo to slow sort of tempo setting. And you'll probably recognise this sound from um, old country and western records maybe or even 50s records if you listen to the guitar on old 50s and 60s records um, it was quite popular back then so have a listen to this and this also has a delay effect on it that Hayden put on it um, so he's put what's known as a slapback delay effect on it which is a very short delay which again was popular in the 50s even though this song is not meant to be a 50s song it is kind of retro and I guess when he listened to it he thought a slapback sound would serve that sort of vibe that the song was trying to create. A good example of a track with some slapback delay might be Instant Karma. 
go and check out Instakarma. That's got a perfect example of slapback delay on his vocal. So that's what Hayden's put on this electric guitar. So have a listen, along with the tremolo that it was recorded with. There's a big gap here, so I'm just going to edit the parts together. So this is the sound of the tremolo throbbing away with the two lead guitars in there as well, just doing that initial lick, I guess, for verse two. There's that tremolo sound again. Here's the lead guitars coming in. So the guitar sound I wanted for the electric lead solo there, it was kind of tricky, I remember, because normally you go to is to use a distortion pedal, which gives you a sound straight away, and you've got sustain, and you've got a little bit of meat to play with when you're playing single notes, which is what that solo is. I'm not playing any chords whatsoever, or even two strings at one time. I'm always playing one string at a time. And... I wanted something that wasn't really thin, but I also wanted something that wasn't dirty, it wasn't muddy, it wasn't distorted. So my reference point for that was quite an old song by the Red Hot Chili Peppers called Scar Tissue off their Californication album. I forget what year it came out, but it's quite a, quite a while ago now. But the lead guitar on that track, which was played by John Frusciante, their guitarist at the time, was clean and... It was clean, but it wasn't thin. I mean, you might listen to it and say, yeah, it's pretty thin, but it's not, it's not as thin as if there were no effects on it. That guitar solo has got a lot of what's called compression on it, which in a nutshell, what compression does is it's much like if you think of a car that's been sent to the scrapyard and it's put into those square, it's turned into a box basically by the compactor. And compression does a similar thing to your signal, your, your sound. And in the case of the lead guitar on scar tissue, what it's doing is it's compacting the sound. So it's getting rid of all the dead spaces in volume. So any bit that's quiet is brought up to meet the loud bits. And it's just this big, fat, sinewy line, if, it was, if you could see it on the computer screen. There are no troughs or valleys. It's just one continuous, fat line, like it was drawn by a Sharpie. And you can hear that in the sound because suddenly it just becomes subtly fatter. And that's the sound that I wanted for this guitar solo in The Silent Crowd. And the engineer I was working with at the time did a great job getting that. I also like arranging things. I, I really like arrangements in music, 
things that have been thought out. So that's why there are actually two guitar solos going at the same time. There's a call and answer on the left and the right. And that sort of is basically how I approach the guitar solo on the silent crowd. As far as takes goes, how many takes do I use and how do I decide when enough is enough? Uh, generally with a guitar solo, I've got a pretty good idea of what I want to get out of it. I've either preconceived what I'm going to play, I've practiced it to some extent, or I've got an idea of the effect I want to get. And I generally know it when I've got it. So that could be, you know, a dozen takes, that could be two dozen takes, it could be just a handful. It really depends on the song and the mood, the marbo, the vibe, all that. As far as how many guitar tracks I use, well, apart from the call and answer in The Silent Crowd, I like to use a lot. I probably use too many. If you talk to my wife, she'll say that I use too many elements. But I like music like that. I mean, I love listening to, again, I go back to the example of Sgt. Pepper. And the thing I love about that album, I've realised over the years, is that there are sounds on there that I can't recognise. You know, I can't... I don't know what they are and they're more than likely they're a mix of two or three sounds all at once and there's so many things going on that you can't hear each element clearly even if you really really listen carefully and I really like that so I, I like having a lot of layers in my music so I like having a lot of guitar parts Probably in the future, I think I might like to move towards being a bit more minimalistic, getting more out of one part instead of having a lot going on. But that's in the future, and I'll just have to wait and see how that pans out. <laughs> Here's the last verse of The Silent Crowd with the lead guitar. Doing a little lick. And then the tremolo guitar with the slapback delay. an extra guitar in at the end there. I've lost track of how many guitars I put in this song. I think that's actually a chorus guitar. So chorus was an effect that was big in the 80s. It's still used now. I can't think of a good example that you could go to to listen to. But um, I'm sure if you googled chorus effects pedals on YouTube, you'd find the sound pretty quickly and you know it. But this last guitar part that's playing that arpeggio, ding, 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 is to my ears it's got a chorus on it so i honestly can't remember if i put that on there or if hayden did in the mix so those are the guitars on the silent crowd and that's a little bit of an insight into how i use guitars in my music i'll probably go more in depth with some of the crazier tracks in future i think because there are some solos there's one in particular where i used about six or seven pedals on all at once and one of them is a particularly funky pedal i found it on ebay a few years ago and i, <laughs> I just love it it's completely impractical so i just it lives in my studio but it's a little bit like something off Doctor Who's TARDIS, if that makes any sense. So that's all coming up in future episodes. That's about it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here and for listening. I really do appreciate your company and your support. 
And a special shout out and thank you to the following people for all their support and feedback, which really is invaluable in helping me decide what I'm going to put in these podcasts and it helps to shape each episode. So thank you. In no particular order, thank you Paul Appleman, Salman Khan, Justin Slay, Logan Sinclair, Cam McNaughton, Gordon Thompson, Beck Godfrey, Paul Richards, Lyndon Wesley, Pete Sim, Paul Hughes, and my ever-loving family, Helen Hughes and Bailey Hughes. If you'd like to support me and my music, please head over to sansmantra.com and sign up to my mailing list. It's called the Sans Mantra VIP Club. And it's where you'll get the first scoop on everything that's happening with my music and any other ventures that I start up, like this podcast, for instance. So head over to sansmantra.com. You can also go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is just Sans Mantra on YouTube. And if you have Spotify, please go over there and follow me. I have one song up. It's called The Silent Crowd, as the regular listeners to this podcast would be well aware. Um, but I do have a bunch of other songs coming up soon. Um, I did promise last week that I was going to preview a new song, or at least look at it. It's my next single called City Shrink. Unfortunately, I did have some computer problems over the past few weeks, and that's held up my schedule just a little bit. So I'm not as far along the track with that song as I'd like to be, but I'll share you a little bit of just the chorus here now. It's just a rough mix, so bear that in mind when you're listening to it. It's not the finished song. But um, I'm off to another gig tonight. I'm looking forward to that. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. A rainy day and you're cool Sunshine just makes me think of you Cause now summer's back Blue skies attack Hide your rainy day dreams From the summer Benjamin cracks like the ice in your drink. See a city.